Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here, we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. I'm Spencer Powell, the CEO over at Builder Funnel which is a marketing agency, and we help remodeling companies and custom builders build sustainable, repeatable marketing systems that have generated well over $150 million for our remodeling and custom home clients. This podcast, Builder Funnel Radio, is where we try to share and document the the lessons we're learning, the things that have worked for us, that have worked for our clients, in hopes that they will help you grow as well. We always do appreciate if you hit uh, subscribe, give us a star rating, pass this along to a friend if you feel like it will will help and add value to them. All right. With that being said, today we are going to dive into some business lessons. We just hit our 13-year anniversary here at Builder Funnel at the, the top of April. And I was doing some reflecting on the journey, my personal growth, business growth, things that I had to learn the hard way, some things that took me way too long to learn, some things that I definitely wish I would have done sooner, and some things that I've I've learned from other people. And I was able to kind of sidestep, you know, some potential pitfalls or or mistakes. And so today I wanted to compile some of those reflections and, and things that I've been thinking about lately that are top of mind for me. And my hope is that at least one of these seven will have a, a pretty large impact on you in terms of where you're at in your business and and hopefully it'll help you get to the next level. So Let's dive in. The first one, this probably had the biggest impact on the business and definitely the biggest impact in the last, I would say, five years. But probably I'd put it at the the top of the list in the top two or three. And that was splitting up the operations and revenue into two roles. So I think, you know, you think about the just zooming out business growth, entrepreneur, you start the business, you're wearing all the hats. As you get going, you start hiring different roles. You might hire somebody to help you know, do the work, but then you're still involved. You're on the job sites, you're managing, but then you're also responsible for bringing in new business and all the backend stuff. What I found is delivery of the service, delivery of the product, delivery of the remodel, delivery of the custom home, that, and then actually marketing and selling and bringing in the business, they're different. They're very, very different roles. They're very, very big roles within the business. And they take different, a little bit different mindset or kind of brain power, and they take a lot of it. And so 
I think the quicker you can divide those roles and have somebody that just owns operations and somebody that owns revenue, that was a huge inflection point for our business. This transition took took me, I would say, a solid like six to nine months to get mostly out of the role and doing the training and the handoff and, and backing out. And then probably another six to nine months to get it to a point where they're, you know, like once a week or once every two week conversations, going through quick hitting agenda items, tackling anything, but really being out of all of the action items, the to-dos and, and being more of just the, the guide in terms of that role. And so I think from the time we started making that move, we basically, what took us 10 years to build, then we, we doubled that in two years. And so when I think about that, splitting that role it was definitely a massive inflection point. And when I think about other family businesses that they're in my family, you know, my uncles, they they split the business that way too. One was ops and one was revenue, marketing, and sales. And they were able to to grow from about two million to 10 million. And I, I don't know that they would have been able to do that had they not kind of divided and conquered there. So Anyway, if you don't have the business split up that way, I would look for somebody that can maybe own one of those buckets within your team and and see if they're interested in that role, see if they want to have that conversation and what that that training process would look like to really get them to own it. All right. Lesson or reflection number two, identifying your USP or unique selling proposition and becoming truly different. It's super powerful. It allows you to raise your prices. So you can be more profitable, you can deliver a better client experience, but it also really simplifies marketing, sales, and operations. And so a good example of this would just be, you know, a design builder modeler that does kitchens, baths, whole home, additions, basements. Pretty common. You see that all all across the board. And then you take a kitchen remodeling specialist, somebody that's really good. At kitchens, that's all you do. You create the best layouts, you have the best designs, you're fast. That is different. It's unique. And if you think about just from an operational standpoint, if you only do kitchens, do you think you're going to get faster at kitchens? And if you get faster at kitchens, do you think you'll be more profitable? And if you get faster at kitchens, do you think you'll deliver a better client experience? Do you think they'll be glad that you were able to cut the time it took from three months to two months or six months to four months? Do you think you'll be able to cut time out of that process if that's all you do? And then from a marketing and sales standpoint, if you're speaking to somebody that wants to do a kitchen and all you do is kitchens and you can show them a bunch of different kitchen projects and how you've done this a a billion times or whatever the number is, and you have a clear process on it. And they're also talking to somebody else that does a whole bunch of different things. You're unique and different. And so marketing gets a little bit easier. Also in all of your marketing efforts, you're just marketing one thing, one thing kitchen. So it gets a lot easier to find the ideal neighborhoods that you want to work in, the ideal clients, the perfect income, the age of home, all of those types of things. Sales gets easier because you actually are unique and different. You have something to position yourself against a competing company. So Whatever that USP is for you, I think it does take some soul searching. It's a hard question. It usually involves changing a lot of business processes and structure. So it can be painful identifying it, going through it, and then actually committing to it. 
and we've we've done this a couple of times in our journey. And so I I do know the pain involved there. It's not just like, oh, we picked a USP and now we're different. Like there's a lot of things that that go into it. But I can tell you, each time we've gone through an evolution of trying to define it and improve it, it has made the rest of the business easier, marketing, sales, ops. So I would encourage you to do some soul searching on that and what truly, truly makes you unique in your market. All right. Number three, productization of your offering. So let's talk about this one. I think in most small businesses, one of the big milestones to kind of cross through is getting out of sales. So if you're the owner, you're the entrepreneur, getting to a point where you can actually not be involved in sales means you've crossed through some hurdle points, right? You have created a a sales process that's repeatable that other people can do and not just you. You've got something there that's unique and different, that there's something within that sales process that allows somebody that's not the owner to convey the value points. It also means you've done something to basically relieve the salesperson to not have to know all the nitty gritty details about remodeling or custom homes. They know enough that they can sell the process and get somebody excited and committed to you. And so when I think about that, you know, if you can turn your initial first step to somebody committing to you into more of like a product that somebody can buy, hey, this is our design process. It's $10,000. This is the, these are the 13 steps we're going to take you through. This is the clear deliverable and output from this design process. Maybe you've got a special name for it, something like that. Then that becomes very sellable. It's easy to buy. People like to buy products. It's easier to buy products. And so, you know, productizing your offering and then moving to, okay, now I can start to remove myself from sales. This allows me to put somebody in place that can start to, to navigate into that role. So. That is something, again, takes takes some thinking through, but really powerful first step there. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, number four, culture really matters within a company. And I think it can create kind of a, a moat around you in terms of what makes you unique and different, but also it becomes a really powerful tool throughout the business. And, and culture isn't the happy hours, the ping pongs, the team lunches, you know, really 
what I've learned about culture is that it's the core values. It's the meeting cadence. It's the accountability. It's the communication style. And it's baking those core values into every part of the company so that that actually becomes part of the DNA of the company is, you know, for us, always be learning. We have different meetings that that is the core purpose of those, you know, delivering positive customer experiences. We celebrate wins and going the extra mile on a regular basis, achieving more together. We're always shouting out team members who are, you know, doing things for others, you know, again, digging in, going the extra mile, doing the right thing. Many of our decisions that we have to make, we will benchmark against that. Like, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing to do in this situation? Is this the right thing to do for the client, for us, for anybody who's involved and and really trying to think through that and then always be teaching Obviously, you know, if you're listening to the podcast or you watch our YouTube channel or get any of our blogs or emails, if you have a copy of my book, we do a lot, a lot of teaching. We do it externally and we also do that internally. And so as a function of all those things, they become part of the culture and they become part of just what we do and and who we are. And so, and then when you go to hire and fire, you hire and fire against uh, those core values oftentimes. And, And we if somebody doesn't make it through our first interview, which is basically a, a core values culture interview is, hey, are, are we a good fit? And if they're not, it doesn't matter if they had the skills or, you know, we don't even move them on to the next interviews because if they're not a good fit there, then it's just not going to be a, a good fit period. So culture matters. And I think a lot of it stems from core values and actually baking the core values into the company. All right. Number five, this one's around training talent versus maybe like, hiring and and paying for talent. In my experience, we've mostly built talent from the ground up. And so we've built out training paths, career paths, and it's really hard. It's really hard to do that because you have to do the legwork of what does this training path look like? What are all the different skills and, and, you know, modules and different things somebody has to learn. But if you do that, then you are protected and you, you don't fall fall prey to that. I forget what they what they call it, but you basically have like key man risk, you know, where somebody has all of this institutional specialized knowledge, you know, somebody that's been there for 10 years and and then all of a sudden they leave. And you're kind of like, oh man, they they knew all these things and you don't have that. And so if you, you know, one of the things that we've we've all bumped into the last couple of years is just like, you know, skilled labor shortage and all of all of the the issues and complaints and and everything around that. But if you if you start building, you know, paths, training paths, you that's not a risk for you anymore. It's it's a harder path to to build that out and to take people through it and always be bringing people through it in case somebody leaves. It's a lot of work. But again, it it does protect you in a big way. And so that's just something that that I've noticed is that it I think it builds a stronger foundation for your company, but obviously it is it is difficult to do. All right, number six, the best investment is always in yourself. So skills, knowledge, training, courses, coaches, events, masterminds, professional guidance, you know, all of those types of things, those are typically always the the highest ROI. You know, I've had some pretty pretty good investments in, in my day, some of them pretty lucky, others right time, right place. You know, I was looking for them, you know, some element of preparation and luck. But even, you know, with those, and I think about some of the investments I've made into myself, those are always the best, right? And I, I've spent, 
tons and tons on books, you know, buying a $10, $20 book here. I usually probably buy a handful every month. I usually read, you know, between one and four a month, definitely buy courses. Anytime I see a course for a few hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, like, Hey, go buy it, go learn it. Because usually if you can apply one thing from that, it'll pay for itself. Spent tens of thousands on coaching, whether that's sales coaching or business coaching, paid $15,000 just to get in a room with some really, really high level entrepreneurs. And all of these investments, they always pay off. Because again, if you think about your business and your skill set, you know, let's say you, you improve your sales skills, that's going to pay dividends over years and maybe decades, right? And if you close just 5% more deals, that'll pay off on a long enough time horizon. And usually it pays off within, you know, six to 18 months or whatever it is. And so, you know, the skills are things that people can never take away from you. And so if you continue to invest in those, even if down the road you hit financial ruin or something, but you are a totally different person because you've leveled up your skill set, you could build it all back way faster, you know? So that's just something that that I've noticed. And so I try to, anytime I see something that I can learn from somebody else that's already been down a path I'm trying to go down, I'll just buy that, consume the content, see what I can apply and keep on moving. And I've found that these, are whatever the investment is, is typically pennies in the grand scheme of things. And then, and then it sticks with you and you've got that, that skill in your, in your tool belt. The last one, this one I like as well. I wouldn't put it above uh, number one, but I would probably put this high on the list as well. And that is to create artificial constraints to force growth. And so what I mean by this is you can put artificial constraints on anything, right? So time is a good one. When I was first building the business, probably working 50 to 60 hours a week, you know, definitely was working on weekends. You know, my wife was in law school, so she would just be working on homework and, you know, school school stuff all weekend, so I would just work on the business all weekend and, you know, you'd, you'd end up putting in a lot of hours. When our first son was born, I drew my lines. I just said, hey, I'm not going to get into the office before, you know, before eight. And I'm going to be back by, you know, four, four fifteen, just drawing the line there. He went to bed super early. So I wanted to make sure I, I got that time with him before work. And then also, you know, right before he went to bed at like five. And so that was a line, like basically drawing, you know, 50 to 60 is now 40, you know, hours a week. And then, you know, hey, let's chop it down to 30. And, and each time I've done that, where I've been artificially, you know, for whatever reason, right. And I had a powerful reason, Hey, kids and time with family, but I drew those lines and it, it just forced me to get more effective. And so could I have gotten more effective before that? Yeah, but I didn't, right. I just used the 50 or 60 hours because I had it. But when I said, well, you don't have that anymore then suddenly you you start to self-optimize. It's this weird thing. Uh, I don't have any science behind this. I'm just speaking from my personal experience. But if you carve out things and you just say, I'm going to commit to this, suddenly things started just falling off the bottom of the list. And I was like, well, guess that wasn't important or wasn't important enough. Or you find a way to delegate it or you use your time better because you just have to. And th- there's that old saying that says, you basically any task will take the time that you have to do it. So if you have a week, it'll take a week. If you have a day, it'll take a day. And I think there's an element of that at work. So that is one artificial constraint that I think you can apply and it will actually force growth. That's kind of the cool thing that I've seen. I think you can put artificial constraints around money. So sometimes you have the money and you can just buy a solution to your problem. And then other times you may not have the money. And so you unlock 
creativity in solving that problem. But I think a fun one is when you do have the money, but you say, what if I didn't, you know, or what if I had to solve this problem for $1,000 instead of $10,000 or $100 or $0? And you may still at the end of the day go, you know what, it's actually better to just solve this problem for $10,000. But sometimes you unlock a creative idea that, that could be just as good or better without the money component. So I think that's just one example of how you can use that as a constraint. And sometimes it's a very real constraint. And that's why a lot of startup companies are scrappy and they make a lot of progress. And then as you get bigger, you move a little bit slower because you don't have that mentality. And so I think if you can apply that mentality artificially, then you can still make similar types of of growth and progress. And the last example I'll use is timelines. So a little bit different than time. A good example of that is when I wrote my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint, I remember at the beginning of the year, I wanted to write the book. And it was something that I've been thinking about for a long time. I said, okay, this is this is the year to write it. And I had just come off of reading the 12-week year, which is a, a book that basically the, the premise was don't give yourself a year, like break, break a year down into 12-week chunks. So basically a quarter. And so after reading that, I was like, well, I could write the book this year or I could write it in 90 days, right? Q1. And so when I said, okay, I'm going to write it in Q1, I had to figure out like roughly about how long is it going to be? Okay. The average book is this many words. Okay. I'll divide that by the number of days that I have. And then I knew, okay, I got to write this many words per day. And then I just blocked the time off on my calendar and, and I wrote it, I wrote it in 90 days and it was, that was the first draft, right? Then there were other steps behind that, but looking back on it, it was really fascinating because normally my process would have been like, I'm going to write the book this year. And then maybe January, I like do the outline. And then maybe I start working on a little bit. And then you get busy and you, you know, other stuff happens. And then all of a sudden it's like Q3 and you're like, ah, like I should work on that. And then Q4 hits and you're like, well, no way do I have enough time because I said this was a year project and now it's Q4 and I've only done the outline. And so then you just kind of give up on it. And so again, if there's like a big project, something you've been thinking about, See if you can condense the window really aggressively and then just break it down so you know what you have to do every day. And what I found was like, if I hadn't have done that, I probably wouldn't have gotten it done that year. And so I I wrote it in 90 days. And then the next 90 days, was like, great, this will be my editing quarter. And then I got to, to working on that. And I was like, this is not for me. This is a slog, like rereading what I just wrote. And then I went and found a hybrid publisher and I paid them to, you know, edit it and tune it up and and do all the design and you know get it to the finish line. And I'm super glad I ended up doing that. And so anyway, I think that kind of blends the two, right? Like the money problem was like, okay, now I can solve this you know problem by paying for somebody to help me get to the finish line. But the first part I had to do, right? Like that was my knowledge. That was my, my book to write. And so the timeline, the artificial constraint of 90 days forced that growth. So those are my, my seven uh, reflections, business lessons, things that I've been thinking about. And my hope is that just one of these will have an impact on you, something that you can apply to your situation, your business right now. And as always, if you got value to this, we appreciate if you share it with a friend, forward it on to them, leave us a review. It goes a long way. And with that being said, we will see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. 
And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.